Good evening ladies and gentlemen, good evening boys and girls. My name is Joshua Bradley Winter and welcome back to the Birding Life Youth Podcast. In today's episode we speak to Ion Grobler about the birding around Cape Town and his plans for the future. Ion and I also spoke about the Lord of the Rings TV show and I've removed this plot for your listening pleasure. I hope you enjoy. Today I am joined by someone who I have known for quite a while now. Me and Eon had a thing called the Bush Boys Grain, but um, that has kind of yep. petered out a little bit. I've, I've, that's a story for another day. We, we won't talk about that now. Um, <laughs> but anyways, Eon, how are you doing? Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, how have you been lately? Doing really, really good, Josh. And uh, it's just been very, very busy. A lot of work, but always good. Always good to get out into the bush, to the beach, um, watching wildlife, photographing wildlife. Yeah, been doing good. Yeah, that, that's, and that's great, great to be back on the podcast again. Yeah, yeah, we've, well, I haven't interviewed you before, but Mark interviewed you, I believe it was last year sometime, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah, it was early last year, I think. And you mentioned the bush and the beach there. That's a, a combination that I wish I could have. But unfortunately, I only have the one. I, well, I've got a combination of big stinky city and bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> first things first, how'd you get into birding? How'd you start? What got you into birding? Um how did the passion begin i mean because you've been doing this for quite a while now right yep um so i definitely i think it's just been since i was really really small basically since i was born wildlife and birds has just been one of my biggest passion um wildlife in general anything from uh, birds to insects i just started with insects um, back in the day uh, many many years ago there was the garden acria butterfly was doing its life cycle in our garden and that was one of the one of the like i felt just wildlife is just so amazing and so beautiful and along the way i started to get into photography as well and i think birds is just one of those groups where it's 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 just so flamboyant and a little bit larger and very very accessible your birds everywhere anywhere you go to the beach, to the city, in your backyard, anywhere you live, you'll always have birds there. You can't always have mammals everywhere, not larger mammals, but birds are always there. So I think it's just been training my photography skills, training my wildlife um, like behavior and studying them. I think birds has just always been something that's really beautiful and accessible uh, everywhere. So I think that's that's how I got into it all. You mentioned some good points there, and um, like you say, big, large mammals aren't always accessible, especially when you're living in the Western Cape. I mean, you don't have many places that yeah. you can go to to see large mammals. I mean, you can see a lot of small ones, but you're not going to have your lions, your elephants, and rhinos, and you know, your big five, the cheetahs, the wild dogs. Um, yeah, they, you don't really have them down there. There's a few spots, but they. They're not really affordable half the time, and um, yeah, unfortunately, not all of us are billionaires. <laughs> we we can't afford these places that yeah. that cost ten thousand rand a night per person, which is, in my opinion, 
ridiculous. Definitely not. Yeah. But anyways, Ion. Yeah. The most beautiful game yeah. reserves. And just on our doorstep. But yeah. Yeah. Not, it's not accessible for everyone. It's a pity. But anyways, you do have some... You've got a lot of national parks in the Cape. Um, and you are a YWP region leader. So explain to us what that is and how that is linked to the net. Well, it's not linked to the national parks, but you guys go and visit them quite often. So yeah, just explain what being a YWP region leader entails and what you do and yeah. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's a real, real privilege to be part of YWP. Um, it's just awesome to have, it's, it's just such an accessible way to start to get to know people like you, um, mm. Gabby, you started it. Uh, it's just been a, like a really, really great way to start to know all of you guys, start to a little bit better. And, uh, part of the, my role as one of the Cape Town regional leaders is to organize meets. So we'll go to like a certain national park like table mountain national park we'll go to like a certain nature reserve um we've done this or uh, we've done quite a few um now um our most recent one which i think we're gonna um, talk about a bit later has mm -hmm. been cape point national um like nature reserve cape point nature reserve uh, we've been there at the time as well um we've went to kirstenbosch and then we've also went to uh, boulders beach um, so it's just really, really great to be able to organize a meet, get everybody together, see some new faces, um, and just like share contact afterwards, um, because building up that contact is always so, so great. Um, and knowing they are like like-minded, similarly aged people going into the same or similar directions as you, that's just always great. Um, so I'd say like the biggest privilege is being able to organize all of those meets which is really really great yeah it's it's yeah it's really cool what for those of you who don't know what ywp is it's the young wildlife photographers of south africa and the other host of this podcast gabby um she she started it and she's done a really good job with bringing together over 600 young people who are interested in wildlife and yep. the photography side of it all in south africa which is really quite impressive and yeah, I'm sure it must be quite an honor to be a region leader. But you mentioned that you went to Cape Point. Now, I went to Cape Point for the, well, I say for the first time two months ago. It wasn't actually my first time. It was my second time because I went to Cape Point when I was five. But I, I do not remember that. So I'm counting yep. this as my first time. Now, when I went to Cape Point, I saw more nationalities of human beings than I did birds so I want to ask you, as someone who yeah. who failed, or I, or I failed at Cape Point, I, I must have seen 15 birds or something, not not too spectacular. How do I see more birds and how do I see less tourists? Because you guys, you sent me your list the other day that you got at Cape Point the other day. Um, and it was quite long. Um, so yeah, just... Yep. Tell me a little bit about that YWP yep. meet, how to avoid the tourists, what the spots are to go to. Yeah. Yep. So I definitely say that 
like location within Cape Points is critical um, because most of the tourists, they'll flock straight to the lighthouse. Um, they'll straight, flock straight to the tip of the peninsula. Um, so most of the guests, they go, or most of the visitors, they go that side. Um, so there are a few great birding spots. Um, for instance, Willy Bos. I would probably say that's one of your best um, spots. And that's one the one we wanted to focus on this time around. Um, Willy Bos has like a really, really wide range of coastal birds. And on the way, you'll see a few birds, uh, a lot of the um, like sunbirds, for instance, orange-breasted sunbird, a southern double-collared sunbird, malachites, um, Cape sugarbird as well, Cape grassbird, and things like that along the way in the Fainboss. Um, but most of your um, like really, really great coastal birds and most of your hopes will be um, around Willy Fonsbos and places like that. Um, there are a few others, Venus Pool, um, Boisescatum, and a few other places you'd want to go within Cape Point. Um, but the goal is just and not to go where all of the visitors are and to go really, really early morning. That's going to be the key as well. Uh, we went just past like uh, the time the gate opened. We were already there and just catch the like really, really good lights. And I'm sure you've experienced it before, Josh, but there's just that that dawn chorus that happens. Mm, yeah. it's just the birds are awake early, early morning, um, which is really good. So I'd say early morning and knowing the locations is is your best bet and what's really cool is the first cape point meet that we'd had like uh, done the previous one um that was alongside ethan day and uh, he knows cape point really really well he's also a ywp member um and like getting some of his like experience and his first-hand knowledge of where to go what time of the day um what routes to follow and things like that what walks and trails to go on that was just really really key yeah it's it really does sound like you guys had a really good time. And I mean, the the long bird list definitely represents that or shows that. Um, and funny you mentioned Ethan, I actually interviewed him this morning, um, him and the Honest Deport Birding Club. But that's a, that's a story for another day. Um, you did mention Boulder's Beach there. And I also went to Boulder's Beach for the first time two months ago. And what I noticed was there was a large amount of tourists as well there were actually probably more tourists than penguins and then so you know i started thinking sand park's primary goal is not to provide holiday destinations it is to conserve the natural habitat of south africa and to conserve the the species that live there its goal is not to let tourists go see penguins and that and that's what i think when i was at boulders beaches i think they let too many tourists in um i mean it's a point where it, it doesn't look boulders beach is very small so it's never going to feel like you're in a national park but even though it, it's part of one um but it it doesn't quite feel like what a penguin what you would think a penguin colony feels like it feels like a a the largest gathering in the world of international tourists so what are your thoughts on on how sand parks handles um you know uh boulders beach and cape point because i mean they as like i can't keep mentioning this but they're full of tourists and yeah what, what do you think of that i'd i'd say it's 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 a really complex matter 
because on the one hand, you want to conserve as much as possible of the habitats and the biome and the species. That's that's number one, the most critically important, that it's eco-friendly, that it's, that it's safe for the wildlife and that we're conserving the wildlife. And then on the other hand, there's the necessary parts where if nobody goes, then nobody will actually learn about these um, beautiful animals and um, contribute and help protect them and spread the word about their decline. So I believe there are uh, like two sides of the coin. It's like a double-sided sword, and it's it's just up to every park to uh, try and like uh, execute both sides as well as possible. Um, for instance, it might have been great if there were more walkways, if you couldn't mm. go onto the beach, for instance. So there's another place, Stony Point, yeah. where it's, it's mainly just from walkways, and that's really great because you can't actually interact with the penguins in any way. Um, you can only see them from, like, a viewing point, if you can put it that way. Um, so I think they are, like, both sides of the coin, and mm. it's a very, very complex matter. Um, yeah, because I get what you mean, because um, the Kruger Park and Table Mountain National Park, which includes Table Mountain, Cape Point, and Boulders Beach, pretty much bring in all the money for sand parks. The other national parks kind of operate at a loss almost. They're not as big of a tourist attraction as those two national parks. So it's, yeah, like, I get what you mean. Um, the reason that we're able to have these places is because is because that sand parks opens them up to thousands of people. But yeah, so it's like a it's like a what do I compare this to? A a I don't know. It's it's a it's a double sided coin if you know what I mean. Um there's good yeah. and there's bad to it. But yeah, anyways, yeah. moving on from that when I went to Cape Point, I specifically went to Cape Point to go see some seabirds. And I got there, I saw thousands of cormorants, and I didn't see one other seabird. But on your list, I see you have, I think it's Sooty Shearwater, and what's the other one here? You have Sooty Shearwater, you've white, got... White and Petrol. Yeah, White and Petrol, Cape Gannet. How did you guys see those? Because I really really struggled when looking for seabirds <laughs> yep um so what's really great is we had a few um, more experienced birders with us um some of them from cape bird club um, there are a few of the like uh, names you guys would know from previous podcasts mm. um, justin ponder declan yodan we had a few great birders with us um and i believe it was their binoculars and their scopes that really came into play in seeing those seabirds. Um, most of those seabirds were either seen at Willifan's Bors um, mm. on the beach or most of um, like the outer, outer seabirds. Um, they were seen close to the lighthouse. Um, so there was like this great vantage point where we could look far out at sea. We could see some trawlers in the distance. Um, and it was at, at most of those, those two spots where we saw some of these like really, really great um, birds as well. But they were also the regular, um, mm. the comorants and the gulls as well. They were even more frequent. Um, most of the petrels and uh, those kinds of like really, really great ocean-going birds, 
there were only a few of them and only a distance away okay okay so yeah, ne next time i go i'll make sure i get some a really good pair of binoculars or a spotting scope and i'll make sure i go in the early morning and yeah yep <laughs> try try get some so, seabirds at last <laughs> so so even though i mentioned earlier on um that it's great to go where the tourists don't go um some of those ocean going birds were seen close to the lighthouse um a little bit later during the day when there were more guests and more visitors from all kinds of countries um so at some spare spots you'll just get lucky depending on the day depending on the weather so at Cape Point, I know Cape Point, I believe it's quite a popular whale watching spot. Did you see any whales or any dolphins or sharks or anything like that? At, at a stage, there was um, a few, like a little bit of spray coming from the water a distance mm. away. It might have been a whale. We're not sure what species. And uh, a porpoise also um, broke the surface at a stage. Oh, okay. Otherwise, um, the only marine mammals we saw, apart from that, uh, was also Cape fur seals. Um, that was relatively close to the to the like the peninsula, um, mm. but along a few spots there are like a like a rocky areas where you can find um, Cape fur seals as well. But that's that's some of the marine mammals we were fortunate to see as well. Okay, yeah, that's that's really cool because I'm sure Cape fur seals are pretty common to you guys, but when ah. Come down there and see a Cape Fur seal. Oh, that's that's really cool. I don't I don't see this at home. <laughs> it's like it's quite funny. When I first saw a Cape yeah. Bulbul, I thought it was such a cool bird. Um, because I mean I don't see them, but uh, I've heard that they they all over the place down there. Yeah, pretty pretty common. Yeah. Mm. And then so you live in I'm going to try to pronounce this properly Strand. And That's great, yeah. So, tell us a little bit about your local patch. What do you What do you normally see in yep. it? Where do you go? Um, yeah. So I'm usually just I just go. We we live in a like an apartment um, block straight across from the beach. So you just walk across the road and you're at the beach. Unfortunately, Strand isn't one of the most natural coastlines you'll find, um, but there are still a few nice species here. Um, I'm usually just looking at um, a few gull species, kelp gulls, um, hotlabs gulls, grey-headed gulls, um, one or two herons now and then, especially black-headed, a few terns, um, and now and then you have a like a, a nice bird coming through, but usually it's it's more the common species. And what's been cool is one, one or two times there have been washed-up animals on the beach as well. That's always something I look for. Uh, including once or twice um, African uh, penguins being washed up on the beach, um, long dead. Um, so I'm not sure where they come from, but that's really, really interesting. Um, but I just go straight across from the road and I just photograph the birds at the beach and just do some birding uh, like around the tidal pools there. Yeah, that, that's really cool. Uh, I wish the, the sea was right across the road in front of my house. I would... I'd really enjoy that. Um, you know, it's quite strange that you mention um, dead penguins because that's, yeah, you never really, I don't know, I, I've never heard of dead penguins washing up on shore. I'm sure it happens quite often, but 
well, I hope it doesn't happen quite often, but yeah, I wonder how they how they died. <laughs> maybe it was maybe it was a shock or old age or something. But anyways, um, yeah. I wanted to ask you the other day when I asked you to come on the podcast. I think it was last week. You sent me a voice message and you apologized for the chickens in the background, and you told me that you were working on a farm. Can, can you? Tell us a little bit about that. What is this farm you're working on, and why are they? Why are you surrounded by chickens? <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, so I work in Stellenbosch. Um, so some of the listeners around that area might know Spear. Um, so about five minutes um, from Spear, there is a farm um, called Friedenheim. So I work on Friedenheim specifically. They they do a lot of name breeding there. Um, and I specifically work in their big cat sanctuary. So that's um, born and bred in captivity, big cats, lions, tigers, leopards. Um, and around there, there's also some great birding sometimes. Um, I know Stellenbosch might, might not sound like the best birding spot <laughs> in the world, but I sometimes have, um, or f- actually pretty relatively frequently, hammerkops, um, African hoopoos, um, spurwing geese, and uh, also Namako dove sometimes um, coming through, uh, which is really, really cool. So like early, early morning, just when I get to the farm, it's just beautiful to go uh, for a little bit of birding as well. Yeah, I mean... And, and chickens. And chickens, yeah. We can't forget those. <laughs> um, when you when people think of Stellenbosch, they think of um, uh, vineyards and um, wine. No one really things of birding but yeah um like you say there's some quite decent birding there and um what else have you seen have you seen any raptors in particular so definitely a few raptors um sometimes you can get african fisher eagles you can hear Mm. them in the distance um one time i believe i possibly or someone else on the farm i believe saw an osprey um but that was very very high in the sky um, and then it's just pied crows, a lot of pied crows. And we are a wine farm mainly along with game breeding and along with our big cat sanctuary. Um, so what's really interesting is you can oftentimes see a life cycle um, or not a like uh, the circle of life, yes. you can put it that way, um, a food chain happening around the vineyards um, because it all attracts. It's like the fruit drop that attracts mice. Raptors go for the mice. Um, and because I also work at a big cat sanctuary, mm. there are oftentimes a few raptors coming through to try and steal any um, scraps of meat they can from the enclosures. Um, so sometimes you can also see those, especially yellow-billed kites, uh, okay. will sometimes uh, just swoop in and try and steal a few pieces of meat from the big cats. They don't really mind. Uh, they usually just stare at the birds <laughs> and then just watch them fly up again. Mm. And I want to ask, have you seen... Uh, red. I think it's it's red-breasted sparrowhawk, right? Again, hmm. have you seen? I haven't, haven't unfortunately had the pleasure to see one now. Okay, yeah, because yeah, that's a a bird I'd really like to see. And I know you get them, you get them around the Cape. I think in Kirstenbosch they sometimes see them. But yeah, and then so you you do work on the big cat sanctuary and that you work well a big. Cat sanctuary slash wine farm slash game breeders. 
what are your what are your plans and goals for the future in terms of do you want to work in the wildlife or the birding industry one day what what do you have in mind for that yeah so definitely wildlife it has to be wildlife mm. i would not be able to do an office job bush <laughs> has to be my office um so my my like really really goal is to go into field guiding um so i already have a possible apprenticeship coming up um if as soon as it becomes a thing i'll definitely post all about it um and all of the birds that i see there um but the goal is is field guiding and there's nothing set yet um but that would be the the ultimate dream yeah that that would be really cool and then have you ever thought of becoming a, a specifically a photographic guide because i mean eon you take some incredible photos if if any of you or, or the, the people that are listening, you must go take a look at Eon's uh, Instagram account. Some of them are incredibly artistic. Others are like v- incredibly creative photos of birds and animals. It's yeah, it's really spectacular, the work that you produce. So have you ever thought of becoming a photographic guide specifically? I really, really appreciate it, Josh. <laughs> no um, problem. And I've definitely thought of it multiple times. Um, usually in this industry, um, the goal is to become a field guide or the, 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 like the, the best plan is usually to become a field guide first up. And then as soon as you can, um, maybe along the side, you can start doing photographic guiding, um, until you can possibly like, hopefully one day in the future, you can start up your own, um, photographic, photographic guiding company. Um, or tour operating company that would be amazing um, because wildlife photography bird photography um, it's just always been one of my biggest passions um, because alongside studying wildlife I believe if you photograph wildlife there's a lot you can get from it there's a lot of uh, details you'll notice about the animals behaviors you'll capture it's just a, a really really great way of expressing your love an appreciation for wildlife and sharing it with everybody. Yeah, it's it also creates a lot of awareness for the photos for the the lesser known species, if you know what I mean. Because I mean, if when you go on Instagram, I get so bored of looking at lions and leopards the whole day. Um, but then, like with your account, you get all the little things that nobody really thinks about, and are so crucial in the whole ecosystem and in the natural world. Um, and it's people need to know that when you go to the bush it's not just about the lions and the leopards there is a exactly. lot of other stuff and the chances are you there's there's like a 30 percent chance you'll see a lion and a leopard and there's a much higher chance of seeing other stuff that is also rare but is a fraction of the size of a leopard and a lion so yeah your i've always thought that your photos bring awareness to that and then you were telling me earlier that last time you were on the podcast, you were joking with Mark that you you haven't had a list. You haven't. You don't have a birding list. Have you started a birding list since then? Or yes, Josh, I do have a list now. Um, I recently got Robert's birding app. Um, so as soon as I got it, I uh, like checked out all of the features it has, and then I stumbled upon list. And then I decided, hey, it's time to start making a birding list. Um, so I'm just over 100. This is climbing. 
Um, but I can just imagine all of the birds over the years without me having a list that I've missed that I can't remember now. Um, but in the future, I'm going to use that list. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, that'll be great. And I mean, over a hundred in the Western Cape is quite, I've always thought, like I told you earlier, I always laugh when I look at the Western Cape rare bird alert group on Telegram, because you guys are going insane over lilac breasted rollers and jacanas. But those are literally like, you don't see those every day down there. So, well, I don't see them every day up here, but I can go to places where I will see them very frequently. Um, so I always laugh at that. But yeah, so a hundred, well, yeah, over a hundred, and it's quite impressive for the Western Cape, I think. Um, especially in the short time since the last podcast, it's, I mean, it's only been about a year, I think. And then, yep. but anyways, Eon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for telling us about yourself and for nerding out with me about the Lord of the Rings. Um, I hope to have you back soon and. Yeah, for a third time. I mean, you're always a great guest to have. So, yeah. Thank you very, very much, Josh. It was a pleasure. And as they would say in Middle Earth, Namarie. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birding Life Youth Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Birding Life Youth Podcast and the Birding Life Podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week.